0: Hello and welcome to Special Situation Investing episode 59 and a new year 2023. So what better time than new year to think about some new concepts that you can add to your investing toolkit and that's what we hope to do today. Had an opportunity to do a lot of reading over the holidays and see a few things from a different perspective and I hope to share that perspective with you today. So What we're talking about broadly is how you can make shorter-term trades uh, around a long-term investment thesis or market inefficiency. Um, Sounds anathema to value investors, certainly did to me, um, but I think that it's a framework worth uh, considering. So we'll just launch right into it, try to explain the thesis, and hopefully you guys can walk away with something to add to your toolkit. So the first thing worth framing uh, is just a general discussion of returns. So your total return of invested capital uh, is really just a function of the amount of capital you invest, the interest rate you receive, and the amount of time you're invested, which we often refer to on this show as length of runway. Uh, But one thing to consider about length of runway is that what you're really looking at is the number of doubles you make in your money. So, how long did it take to go from 10 to 20,000, 20,000 to 40,000, 40,000 to 80,000, on and on and on. And uh, again, oftentimes that's thought of in CAGR, right? Combined annual growth rate. But um, within any given year where you're looking at that combined annual growth rate, You could achieve that return by investing in one stock and seeing it appreciate from beginning of the year to end of the year, say 20%. Or you could have one strategy that addresses a long term or structural inefficiency, but you might have to make a couple of different trades. And this is kind of where my value investor mind, uh, I think, initially rejected it and cost me a little bit of money. But sometimes uh, you can make a trade of just uh, 5% gain or 10% gain uh, in a month. And then you could go two more months, see another opportunity to make that 5 or 10% gain with the same amount of money. And maybe you do that three times in a year. Well, the combination of all those events leads to a significant double-digit return on investment uh, versus just sitting in one investment and seeing that thing compound throughout the year. So again, just looking to add this one tool to your toolkit, and we'll get into a little bit more of of how this actually plays out and how to understand it. But as just one more example around the uh, length of runway and how you can actually have a low interest rate, give you a high annual growth rate if you're compounding more frequently, you know, I'll give you the following example. If you just took $10 and you invested it at 1%, but that 1% compounded daily Uh, again, we're used to thinking about yearly returns, but the 1% is compounding daily. Uh, It would compound to $73.83 on day 251 of that compounding every day at 1%. I picked 251 days because that's about the number of trading days there are, at least in the US stock market, on any given year when you subtract uh, weekends out, and then uh, around about nine holidays, federal holidays that are celebrated each year. So, if every trading day of 2023, you made a one percent compounded return on ten bucks, you'd get um, a significant gain, ten dollars up to seventy three dollars. Uh, but you only were actually you know getting that one percent compounding. Uh, so, kind of an interesting concept to think about cashing in on on shorter term gains. Uh, And then doing that multiple times throughout the year to get to a longer term, uh, higher growth rate. All right. So that is that brief discussion on just interest rates and the perspective on the three variables, the amount you put in, the interest rate, and the number of days that you're compounding. Um, So what am I talking about here with this long-term thesis executed with short-term trades? really what it comes down to is indexation. So indexation uh, is a huge factor in markets today. Uh, We have trillions and trillions of dollars going into index funds. And of course, an index is just a rule set. So if you take the most common or widely traded index, uh, maybe globally, but especially in the US, that would be the S&P 500. And it has certain rules that it has to follow, whether those are smart investment decisions or not, it doesn't matter. In order to be fair, the uh, rule set must be followed. It's just an algorithm followed by the computers and passive money comes in every month. So one of the rule sets that we know exist is that certain companies are added to an index. Certain companies are taken away from an index. So just take, for example, companies added to an index. Um, In just the last couple of years, the two that stick out to me as very obvious uh, ways to make money were uh, Moderna and Tesla. So when either of those companies was added to the index, they they came into the index at a very high valuation. So the way the index is structured, unless it's an equally weighted index, when you buy the S&P 500, you're getting a market cap weighted index. In other words, the largest company in the index gets an investment of maybe 8 or 10% of the total assets. So in the S&P 500, that might be Apple. Apple's going to get a significant amount of the money in the index, and the 500th company is going to be a much smaller company by market cap, and it's going to get weighted less, sometimes just a few basis points of the fund is going to go into that bottom company. So if for some reason... Uh, Let's just take Tesla. If for some reason Tesla achieves a a large market cap, but it's not in the index, and then it's decided by the powers that be that the company now warrants uh, being in the index and it's added in, it might be one of the top 20, top 30 holdings uh, of the index. So significant amount of capital is going to flow into Tesla all at one time, trillions of dollars. And of course, you you know there's a very high probability that any stock that gets an inflow in the trillions um, is going to have a significant uh, boost sh- to its share price. So, if um, if we just think about that phenomenon, the fact that uh, you can look at an index and if it's adding something at a high valuation coming into a high position in the index, it's going to get bid up, you know that that's a phenomenon that you can make money on. You could do the same thing for uh, a put. You could see that a company is deemed unacceptable for being in the index, and maybe it had a, a high market cap weighted position in the index. It's booted out of the index. That That is announced publicly, hey, in two weeks, company X is going to get booted out of the index that would be a situation where you can make a high probability bet that the share price is going to go down, um, to what level you don't know, but odds are it's going to go down as money flows out of the company. Um, another way to look at these indexes is just that, uh, the difference between being in the bottom or the top of the index, like I said, is significant in terms of capital because the index is market cap weighted. So if you have, uh, an index that, uh, invests in the top 1000 companies globally for example and then you have another index that invests in the 2000 companies that are below that first thousand there's a big difference in how much capital is invested in the company if the company that's right on the margin between the two funds uh, is for whatever reason included in the bottom of the top 1000 or if it's the top company in the set of 2000 that's below um, it could make a difference of a significant amount of money that flows into the company. And again, based on that public announcement, you can see that uh, that company is either going to be bid up or bid down. So what we have here is this long-term uh, trend. It's not even a trend. It's a long-term structural fact about the market. In order for the market to have trillions of dollars in the index funds, you're going to have these phenomenon play out. You're going to publicly announce companies added or subtracted from the index. Um, and then you're going to have an opportunity to invest as they are bid up or sold off. <clears throat> this happens in spinoffs as well, where sometimes you have a company in an index, but it spins off another company that's not in the index. That one gets dropped from the index. So you know, the spinoff is going to get oversold. Okay. So here you go. You have these structural inefficiencies and that's your long-term trend but you want to actually make money on it in the short term. And here's where I had to do a little bit of a shift myself because I had invested in some of these phenomenon in the past. And my brain is very locked into long-term value investing, buy and hold thinking. And uh, so I would uh, enter, I would buy the stock. I would see it climb a little bit, but I'm looking for my high double digit or low double digit returns to beat the index And maybe I only see a 5% gain uh, in that stock based on whatever thesis I had about it being added to or subtracted from an index. Well, instead of just taking that win of, say, 5%, selling, and moving on to the next thing, I hold on because I'm looking for this 15% or 20% return in a year. And then what happens is that that initial effect of either the buying or selling of the security as it's added or subtracted from the index fades away. And then I go back to a wash or even a little bit of a loss on that trade. So my long-term value investing thought, um, ends up costing me. So another way to think about it is if you had, let's just say three of these events in a year, uh, a Moderna, a Tesla and something being dropped from the index that, um, you could maybe buy puts on and make money from the decline. Instead of thinking, I'm going to invest in this thing and try and get my 15, 20% return for the year, you have three opportunities that year to make the investment. So take some capital, uh, invest it, get your 5% return, 4% return, whatever you're going to get out of that phenomenon, take it back out. And then the next time, You have the same opportunity. You've gone from Tesla to now Moderna getting added to the index. You can invest. You get your 5% return. um, Take that money off the table. Maybe you leave some return because you took it out early. It doesn't matter. Uh, You got uh, what you needed. Uh, And then you can do it again a third time. So the combination of 5% the first time, the second time, the third time is going to add up to a combined annual growth rate you know, significantly above 5% because you're building that capital uh, every time. And uh, I I know, again, just personal experience where I've seen the phenomenon, I know that something's going to happen based on there's a company, it's spinning out another company, you buy the option contract before the spinoff because you know that the valuation of the two and the right to buy them is going to result in a little bit of an increase in the price of the company but it's really not a company you're looking to hold long-term. And so I've bought the option contract, seen it go up uh, whatever percent, say 8% or something like that. But I get into my buy and hold value investor mentality and I hold on to it. Option decays in value and then I lose a little bit of money on the trade. So not the way to do it going forward. Basically, you're wanting to Take advantage of this long-term structural inefficiency, but you're doing it um, by just accepting the uh, high probability bets of a certain return, not getting too greedy with that return. Just take your you know, single-digit return in a short period of time and then move on to the next event. And you're just trying to do it multiple times a year so that at the end of the year, uh, you have a high Total return, something similar to that example I gave previously, where you invested the ten dollars at a one percent return, compounding daily, and you ended up at the end of all your trading days, two hundred fifty-one trading days for the year, at seventy-three dollars. That would be um, uh, what a almost a three x. I'm sorry, almost three hundred percent return on your money. Um, through that 1% daily compounding. So just an interesting way to approach these inefficiencies that are around indexation, um, but doing it in a way that involves shorter-term trading, which I think sometimes for us value investors can uh, really get uh, into our heads and prevent us from capitalizing on the long-term structural uh, nature of the trade that's available to us. I guess the conclusion on this one is you're going to have to consider your own situation, um, largely around taxes for one. So if you are doing multiple trades in a year around this long-term phenomenon, obviously you're not getting long-term capital gains treatment, getting a short-term capital gains treatment. So depending on your income tax bracket and your own tax situation, um, that may, um, change how you approach this. It may be a strategy that doesn't work for you. Um, So consider your own tax situation uh, as you look into it. Um, But another thing that you would want to consider is how sure are you of any of these given events? So every time a company gets added to an index, for example, it doesn't mean that company is going to get bid up because again, um, company X could get added to the S&P 500, but it might be company number 498, which means it's going to get very little inflow. It's not going to have that significant boost to the valuation. Something like a Tesla is an unusual situation because in that situation, Elon Musk owned a significant amount of the company and a company is not qualified for inclusion in the index. If there's a lot of insider ownership, meaning that there's not a lot of shares available, free floating shares available for normal people to purchase. So that allowed Tesla's valuation, its market cap to grow and grow and grow over the years with it not being in the index. And then eventually it's announced, we're going to add it to the index. And again, it's already at a huge valuation, meaning that even more money is going to flow into the company because the index itself is market cap weighted. So that's just getting to the fact that you have to find something that's structural um, where the, the bet you're placing has significant odds of, of paying off in that direction. Um, and really, this was summed up very well by one of the, the investors that uh, we follow here on the podcast, Murray Stahl. And uh, I'm going to include that video in the show notes. So he's talking about indexation, same phenomenon. And he's talking about uh, very high probability bets that can be placed um, to make money in the market. And in a way that you're not necessarily going to hold the position for a long period of time, maybe you're not even going to get long-term capital gains treatment. So just an interesting thought, an interesting perspective to start off the new year uh, that I'd like to give you guys, which is around, uh, I guess, forgiving yourself if you're a hardcore value investor for making a shorter term trade and justifying that through the fact that you have a long-term view of a trend, you can say indexation is a secular trend. It's a sexual, It's a structural mechanism in the market uh, that these types of inefficiencies of bidding a company up, dropping a company from the index, or consistently losing money in a trade um, are going to exist uh, regardless of you know your personal opinion about the company. It doesn't really matter if Tesla when it was added to the index was a great company. If it was going to have a good quarter, if it's future in 10 years was a bright outlook. It was just that there was a structure of the index that said, Hey, everybody, let's all go out and buy this thing in mass at the same time and bid it up. Why? Because that's the rule of the index and we have to follow it. Um, But it's not a rational thing that should normally happen in markets. Uh, Markets should operate based on the fundamentals and the analysis of the companies themselves and their future prospects and their future cash flows discounted to present value. So again, you're finding a way to capture limited gains multiple times in a year around these trends that you know exist. Um, And like I said, I would definitely recommend you go check out the video that'll be in the show notes. And uh, for this podcast today, I'll include bullet notes of uh, what we covered Uh, as a summary in the show notes, but we're not going to have the typical full-up investment write-up to go uh, review because this was just a concept that we wanted to bring you because we've given it a lot of thought uh, during our holiday break. So with that, wishing you a successful investing uh, year here in 2023, and we'll definitely be back with multiple shows uh, in the future.